Welcome to the Full 60 featuring Craig Custance and presented by The Athletic. Each week, we'll dive into the biggest stories in hockey while bringing in unique voices to entertain and explain all aspects of the game. Hey, this is Craig, and welcome to this week's episode of The Full 60. This week's guest is Florence Schelling, and we have been trying to get Florence on the podcast for months. I mean, going back to the fall, um, just because she's a very interesting person. She is the most accomplished women's hockey player in in the history of Switzerland, and she is somebody who is always looking to get better, always seemed to be doing something interesting. And even when she went through a horrific ski accident, she documented it, she blogged about it, and was able to turn what could have been a real negative in her life into a positive. And so we were trying to get her on the podcast, and she's busy, and it was just, you know, she, there's obviously the time difference, and it didn't happen. And then the huge news emerged over the last few weeks that she was named the general manager of SC Bern in Switzerland, becoming the first woman to be the GM of, of a professional hockey team. Huge news. Um, some great stories were written about it. Emily Kaplan did a great story for ESPN.com. Katie Strang at The Athletic did a really good Q&A with Florence. And it gave us a really good excuse to circle back there and try to get some time with Florence. And she was very gracious with her time. And her story is incredible. Right down to getting a phone call as like, I think she said she was 13 years old um, to go play for the national team. Just an incredible story as an athlete. And now how she's parlayed that opportunity into the job she has now. And she was great. It was, we covered a ton of ground. I was really excited to get this done and do it in a timely manner right now. So let's jump right into it. The Full 60 with SC Byrne, General Manager, Florence Schelling. All right. Well, Florence, first of all, congratulations. I'm, uh, we've been trying to, we've been going back and forth to get you on the podcast for a while now. And then you went and, you know, broke barriers and got an incredible job. And I'm so excited for you. So congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, it's, I, I, you know, it's, I wasn't surprised. I'll, I'll say that. And even though it sounds like in, in, when I was kind of re- researching your some stories that were written, I saw Katie's piece and Emily's at ESPN that you kind of were surprised about the process. And I wanted to start there because it sounded like it was maybe a, a headhunting firm that reached out or at least identified you. Um, what was that like getting that first phone call, getting that inclination this might happen? What was that moment like for you? It was a very surprising moment. Yeah. Um, I, I did not expect this at all. Um, so obviously the phone call caught me by surprise and, uh, for like I organized girls hockey days in Switzerland yeah. and for the first time last year, I organized one in Bern. And when I saw Mark Luthi's um, name pop up on my phone, I thought it might be because of the girls hockey day. Right. And <laughs> so that was kind of like my expectation going into, into that phone call. And, and then he told me that he, they're looking for a new GM and uh, that I'm one of the candidates for them. And that was a bit surreal. What was the interview process like? I mean, you're, you're a pretty public figure. So I, like, I, I feel like the, I'm sure they already were really familiar. What was the process like from there? 
Well, we continued um, discussing. Um, well, we had like the first discussion on that initial phone call. Yeah. Um, but then many more phone calls followed. Um, I went to Bern uh, for a meeting um, with um, the CEO and the COO. And it's just like um, all the discussions that we had, they were very positive. Yeah. And I, I could sense right away that there's a lot of support and confidence coming mm-hmm. um, from them towards me. And within, uh, I think it was like within a couple of days, I was like, all right, I want to do this. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and it's interesting because like I've talked to, you know, assistant GMs or whoever on the NHL side that have gone through this process and they, you know, after they've gone through it a few times, the interview process, they, they, they come in with a huge portfolio. Like here's, here's my my structure of the organization. Now something like this, where you're kind of recruited and it's, it's not something you've been necessarily preparing for, for 20 years, let's say, like, how were you able to kind of quickly gather how your plan and, and what it would look like if you got the job? Well, so like my my approach and and that's the approach that I told them too is like I don't want to come in and like change um, structures right away and change this and change that 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 wouldn't be me but I will be more of the person to like um, talk to the players talk to the staff analyze um, Mm -hmm. what has been done look at the strategy that they were following um, for the past couple of years which has been very successful. Um, if you don't look at last season, um, they they were Swiss champion three times in a row, and then last year um, they didn't play the way uh, um, one would expect them to play. Um, so it's it's been a very good strategy, and obviously I, I first need to look and and read into the strategy and see um, what has been done so far and go from there and see um, what things can be changed, what can um, can be done differently, what processes work, which ones don't, and stuff like that. So it's not like I'm coming in and completely changing right. um, everything. And, and that's pretty much how I prepare for the meeting too. Um, yeah. I don't think it will be realistic for me um, to come in and, and like have a presentation and be like, this is, this is what's supposed to happen. Right. It- and you know, kind of knowing the way you operate, um, I, you know, you've in kind of reading up and, and talking to people, you like you're somebody who is seems to have a natural curiosity, willing to ask questions, willing to lean on people. I imagine at some point you're going to start talking to NHL GMs, or have you have you started having those conversations? Okay, let me let me start, you know, reaching out to some of these people that that can mentor me or help me in this. Have, have those conversations started? Um, so I, I knew taking this job and like, even, even before I took this job, um, I started working with a coach. So like an executive coach and, uh, in that process, obviously, um, I'm, I'm looking for mentors, um, Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, obviously it was difficult for me to reach out. Um, before it was announced, <laughs> right, uh, right, <laughs> and so, so it was definitely on my on my list um, to do that pretty much right after it's been announced. Um, but 
honestly, I haven't gotten to it yet because yeah. since it's been announced, uh, my world pretty much turned upside down. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I do have like people, um, connecting me with, with GMs and, and stuff like that. So, um, I'm not too concerned about it right now. Yeah. Um, I know that I, I will be able to reach out, um, to other GMs and reach out to people, um, in the NHL. So I'm, I'm, yeah, not, not too worried about this and not what too is, stressed about it either. Right. Right. You said that your world's been turned upside down. What is it? What has that been like for you? Just that chaos. And I'm sure you're hearing from everybody in the world. Yeah. So, um, we announced it on, on Wednesday, right before Easter. And, um, for the past couple of years, um, I haven't been really able to spend Christmas because um, usually I was at Women's World Championship. Yeah. Um, so it was really funny because I, I told my family, I'm like, I don't know what, how you celebrate Christmas. Like, <laughs> because I have never done it anymore. Yeah. And, and I was actually really looking forward to, to celebrate it again with my family. And again, I was not able to celebrate Christmas. Uh, Christmas <laughs> Um, because I, I just had so much going on with, uh, media requests and, yeah. you know, just like answering messages and, and getting back to people. And, and it's just like, everything was overwhelming. So it's been, it's been a lot ever since it's been announced. And, uh, last Tuesday I, I started work. Um, and obviously in, in Corona times, uh, uh-huh. it's, it's not it's not boring either there's a lot <laughs> right. going on um like reading into all the regulations and um you know um, looking to talk to people at the government and see um how how things can be done and and what is allowed and whatnot and and when can we pick up with summer training and and all that kind of thing so um it's it hasn't gotten boring yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't imagine it will. Like that's, I didn't, you know, that's a whole aspect of it that didn't even occur to me. Like not only are you doing all this, you're doing it within kind of an unprecedented time, right? Like you have to figure out how, when can we get on the ice? And yeah. so like, so that was the first order of business is like, okay, I got to reach out to the government and figure out what this looks like. Yeah. Like we're still, we're still working on it. Um, yeah. They, they're, Currently in Switzerland, they're they're trying to loosen up things. Mm-hmm. Um, so reopening, um, like hairdressers and all of that. And they they announced last week that they're going to do it, like everything within three steps. Yeah. And uh, sports, unfortunately, has not been mentioned. Um, so obviously within the sporting world, um, there's lots of talks going on right now on on what we can do and and how we should approach this whole thing just to um, make the government understand that, um, that there's sports going on in Switzerland um, uh, and, and that it's important that, you know, to differentiate between um, the sport that people do on a, on a daily basis to just keep in shape. Um, And then also like, who's like actually like earning their money with sports. So, um, it's been a lot of that um, the past couple past couple of days, and you can look at it as like a really tough start, but at the same time, 
um, I look at it in a very different way, in a way that I'm new um, to this position and the situation is new to everybody. So everybody's right. learning along the way. So it's not just me coming in and, and being new and having to learn everything, but everybody's learning along the way and, and nobody really has any answers. Right. No, that's right. Like it's a, it's completely wiped clean, right? Like there's, there's yeah. not, a, you know, every other team didn't deal with global pandemics. I don't imagine. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome. It's, and so I thought it was funny cause I was thinking we, we did that in the fall. We asked, you know, a bunch of people in hockey for the, the, their book recommendation and you were on that panel and your, your book recommendation was mindset. And I, yeah. and one of the things you said is it taught you or kind of encouraged you to, to thrive on challenges. And I was yeah. thinking about that as, I mean, holy cow, like, uh, this is it, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is it. This is it on, uh, on so many levels. Yeah. Well, like, what is it? Do you pull from something like that? That you, what was it about that book, and what that that kind of um, stood out to you, and and really that you can apply in, in something like this? Well, you, you know, it's all like what I got out of this book was really having this open mindset, um, and just like you know, realizing too if there is something that you can change or you can't change it, and mm-hmm. you know, just open about it even though like um last week when when they didn't even mention sports i was like i can't believe that why like it's such such, something so important but then at the same time i i kept my mind open i was like wait actually um if you look at like if you look at switzerland and how switzerland is run like sports isn't isn't that big of a deal right it's just like keeping that mindset open and, and uh, also now, obviously when we have um, discussions within the club about the situation and stuff, like I, I listen to what everybody's saying and I, I give my suggestions and obviously sometimes my suggestions or, or my ideas are, are good. And then other times they're, they're not really um, accurate to the, to the situation and, mm-hmm. and something else is being done. And, and it's all about like, accepting it and, and understanding that it's it's about the bigger cause or the bigger benefit of of the entire club and right. not just all like my idea is not taken or something right. just uh i call it like parking my ego um yeah. <laughs> that, right. that's what it is i i find it fascinating that switzerland like that sports professional sports is such an afterthought like especially when you compare it to what's going on in the united states and canada where that's like and maybe because i'm in that world i feel like it's been dominating discussion but man it's that like that's crazy to me yeah and obviously that's something that because i lived um in in the u.s and in canada i i see how sports is looked at in the in other countries and then you come back to switzerland you're like why like, why is it not? But right. then at the same time, we're just like, um, we're built up in a different way. You know, we have our banks. Banks in Switzerland are huge. Right. And then you look at banks all, all around the world and they don't have, like, they're important, but they don't have the same um, importance than they do in Switzerland. Right. It's probably healthcare. You, the, Swiss, the Swiss probably have the right perspective. I don't know. Maybe. 
I mean, it, it all depends on, on what's important to you. Um, right. Obviously, to me, I, I grew up uh, with sports being very, very important to me. Yeah. Um, and and so for me, it's it's difficult to understand um, why it is like that in Switzerland. Why it's not more important. Um, and then, like, if you grow up in in the U.S. or or in Canada, and you're surrounded by sports like every day, all day, and and it's it's so important within the North American culture. Right. So then obviously you grow up, you have a different mindset on that. Right. You mentioned growing up with it. I think I read somewhere you, like you were in the world at four years old in getting involved in sports. Is that right? Like how, how young were you when you just got in, into this, into this world? Yeah. So I, I was four years old when I started playing ice hockey and, um, that was because I was asked a lot um, since since uh, I was announced as GM. I was asked a lot um, what it would mean to me to to go into that men's world of right. ice hockey. Right. And, and that was always my answer. I was like, well, I entered that world when I when I was four years old when I decided I want to play ice hockey because in Switzerland there's no girls girls hockey. Right. Um, so when you start, you start with the boys. And, mm-hmm. uh, and when I started playing, I, I was the only girl, um, for pretty much all of my career. Um, I was the only girl playing with the, with the boys teams and I played, um, with the boys slash men, um, mm-hmm. until I was 19 years old. And, uh, and then I, I went to college, uh, in Boston. And after that, um, I went back to play men's hockey in Switzerland. So for me, um, ice hockey in Switzerland, I probably know more about it in the men's, like men's ice hockey than I know about the women's hockey that we have in Switzerland. Right. So it's like, okay, you know, how are you going to adjust? You're like, I've been doing this all my life. <laughs> like there's no adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, obviously I, I've not played at the, at the level, um, right. Where I am the GM now, but I played one level below. Um, that's how far up I got with men's hockey here in Switzerland. Right. And so, like I, this to me is obviously it's, it's different, but at the same time, um, it doesn't feel as special to me. Right. How did, how did you end up? So you mentioned kind of coming to the States to play at Northeastern. How did you end up there? Like what, what was the connection? Um, so it all pretty much started when I was uh, 13 years old. Um, mm-hmm. and, I went to the Swiss national team um, for the first time, and my goalie partner um, was Patty Elsmore Souter, and mm-hmm. she played at uh, the University of Minnesota Duluth, and she was actually the first person that ever brought me or connected me with the idea of, of going to play um, college hockey. Um, yeah. I didn't know anything about it before. And so um, she kind of became like my, my role model in that regard. And, and uh, um, so ever since I was 13 years old, I was like, well, this might actually be something that I want to do, um, go play, play college hockey. And, and then I went to the Olympics when I was 16 years old. And, uh, and then we had a world championship the year after in Winnipeg. And so I guess a lot of college coaches um, came to watch um, 
the Olympics and um, the the World Championships, and they discovered me. So pretty much after that, I was just contacted uh, by schools, and then uh, I I went through I guess the normal college application process of uh, where I started looking at the schools that were offering me scholarships and see um, what um, university programs they offer, what it is that I can study there. And then uh, I broke it down to um, three schools. Um, And then I went for official visits uh, to these three schools. And uh, Northeastern was the one I fell in love right away. So what were the three schools, if you don't mind me asking? Um, so the first one that I went, went to visit was, uh, University of New Hampshire. Yeah. And then the second one was, uh, North Dakota. And the third one was Northeastern. And so they're, and they're all very, very different. I was going to say that's, that's a wide <laughs> range of schools. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and even then, like, so your degree is in business administration and then, so like, like you're already planting the seed for something down the road. Like, I don't know if it was intentional, but like, well, I imagine it had to be a little bit, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, uh, I grew up, um, and my, my dream besides like Olympic medal, like on the athletic side my dream on like the business side or my, my professional um, life um, was always to be a hotel manager. Mm. And Interesting. I, <laughs> I was following that dream until I think it was after the, the Vancouver Olympics where I did a, an internship at a hotel and and I, I turns out I didn't really like it all that much. Um, <laughs> but but still the the thought of like managing something yeah. um, was was always on the back of my mind. And uh, um, I had great five years at Northeastern where I did those co-ops, which were like internships. And uh, these three, so I did three internships within the five years. And those three internships, I did it in very different um, areas or industries. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I just knew, like, this, there's something that I want to do. And it wasn't – so I always looked at it that I wanted to do it on, in, like, the business side, never really at the, on the sports side. Right. And – that actually only came up last year um, when I had a terrible skiing accident um, and was pretty much put down to to zero. Um, that's when I started thinking, like, what is it that I really want to do in my life? And mm. I made the decision there that I want to stay within sports and I want to stay with ice hockey. And here I am now. <laughs> Here you are. All right, I, I won't. We. I definitely want to dive into the ski accident in this in a minute. But you, I want yep. to touch on two things you talked about. Did you say you were playing with the national team at thirteen? That's crazy. Yes. So, can <laughs> yeah. you just can you describe what it's like to be on competing at that level when you're? I mean, so young and still. I mean, I've got a 
I, like my 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 son is fourteen. Like I, I can't even imagine him doing something like that. Like what is um, what was that experience like, especially at that age? Um, I honestly I don't think I really realized it because I grew up and I didn't know women's ice hockey existed. Yeah. And so um, for me, I think it was like. Uh, I don't remember which Olympics it was, but I was watching the Olympics with my, with my family. And, and I told them, I'm like, you know, one day I want to go to the Olympics. And my parents, then they didn't know about women's hockey either. And they told me, but like, there's no, there's no um, women. Like it's, it's men that go to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I don't really care. Like then I go with the men. (laughs) Right. So that was kind of like, yeah, I don't know. So then actually when um, I remember we received this phone call and um, my my mom picked up and she thought it was a joke. She thought it was somebody calling, like doing a joke when, when it was like the Swiss women's national team coach on the phone because we didn't know that existed. So, right. <laughs> so after we realized that it wasn't a joke, we're like, all right. Um, so I went to a camp and, and that was actually, I would say I was very lucky at this point too, because, um, I received that phone call because I think there was three or four, it was like a crazy number of goalies were injured and, and basically they were running out of goalies. So, they they called me and and then I went and I never left. That's amazing. I, like I'm just trying to imagine that scenario now. Like if we're down we're down three goalies. Let's call the 13 year old and see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but then at the same time, like you shouldn't forget that the amount of licensed hockey players we have here in Switzerland yeah. in comparison to what you have in North America is ridiculously small. Right. Um, so, so it's not that far-fetched, um, but at the same time, like, I look at it as, like, I was just so lucky. Right, um, right. Yeah, that's that's wild. Um, all right, and then you play in the Olympics at 16. Um, yes. And I, and I want to touch on, like, what the, the – I mean, that stretch in 2014 where – you win a bronze medal, you're the mm-hmm. Olympic MVP, you're named the best goalie of the tournament. Just in terms of playing, can you describe like what it's like to be in the zone and to, to have that achievement at such a high level and on such a big stage? Absolutely. Um, so I'm a very like goal-oriented person. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, is I work with setting goals and like, working hard and doing everything to achieve those goals. Um, that's how I work. And so from a very young age on, I said, I, I want to go to the Olympics. Um, and when I was 16, I achieved that goal. And it was really funny because when I, when I told people that I, I want to go to the Olympics, they're like laughing at me almost being like, yeah, keep dreaming. Right. And, and, and then when I was 16, I went there 
And to me, that was like a very early age to achieve, achieve such a dream. So then I felt like, okay, I have to set higher dreams kind of. Mm. And, and then since I was 16 years old, my dream was to win an Olympic medal. And honestly, like every single practice, every single game, every um, conditioning practice that we had, everything, like I always pictured having an Olympic medal around my neck. Mm. And so obviously with like the Olympic cycles and um, seeing the development that we made as a team, but also myself with like going to college and all of that and seeing how well we did at the Vancouver Olympics, I felt like something more is possible um, for Sochi. And it wasn't actually until the world championship in 2012 in Burlington um, that I like really was like, okay, I, I think we can achieve that dream of an Olympic medal because there for the first time at the world championship we won bronze and and that was huge that was the first time in in the history of women's hockey in switzerland that that a team won bronze and and i think that was the turning point for us in switzerland where we really realized um you know we we can achieve something we can play among the best teams in the world and and just like going into sochi um, I, I wanted that medal. I, mm. I wanted it. And like, I would say like almost every movement I made during this entire time that we were in Sochi, it was planned and it was done with the vision of getting to a medal. Hmm. Can you, can you expand on that? Like when you say every movement movement was planned, like would what does that look like from a, kind of a practical standpoint? Um, so, like I may I, I mean <laughs> that sounds very selfish right now. <laughs> no, um, no, no. But, but again, I think like and it's then really again. I was I I was a goalie, so I I I made sure that I I would get the best performance out of myself. And I knew that there were certain things that I needed in order to do that. Um, so, for example, before going to Sochi, I made sure that I had a single room um, mm-hmm. so that I can go to bed whenever I needed, that I wouldn't get interrupted um, in my sleep um, by somebody snoring or having to get up to go pee in the middle of the night, just stuff like that. Right. Um, so I got my, my single room, for example, and then I was very close with the conditioning coach and he, uh, he would help me like do, during cool downs and all of that. But a lot of times, like during the day, I would need, for example, a stretching session and I'm very unflexible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is really funny as a goalie. Everybody I was going to say, that doesn't seem like an optimal uh, thing to be as a goalie. <laughs> yeah, but I'm really like overly unflexible. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So like he, like I would always need help when stretching because I wouldn't be able to do it by myself. 
So for example, we always schedule like times where he will come and like, just have like half an hour stretching sessions with me. Mm -hmm. And it's just like all those kind of things or like, um, having like the schedule, it wasn't like planned around or like the team schedule. It wasn't planned around my individual schedule, but if there was anything that I absolutely needed, I could actually go up to the team manager and be like, Hey, can you switch this? Because during that time I need to do, um, stretching, for example, or this is when I take my pregame nap. Hmm. So it was like, I don't know. So it was like every, everything that I did was just planned. That's, I, it's, it's, it reminds <laughs> me of um, someone, someone telling me a story about Ryan Miller, who, when, who it's kind of has the same mentality and, and not only like planned mm -hmm. to the day, like planning out, weeks and months in advance and mm -hmm. and they we were this goes back to when he was traded to the blues in the middle of the season and one of the reasons someone suggested it didn't go great was because like it upset like mentally he had thought so far out about how things were going to play mm -hmm. out and now disrupting that as a goalie somehow threw off the equilibrium or i don't know because i don't i'm not a goalie right. but that's like having that mindset and that focus sounds like a, definitely a goalie mindset yeah, I did not, I did not plan like the entire Olympics though. Mm -hmm. Like I took it like day by day, but I had like um, a schedule for like when we played, for example, at 2 p.m. I knew that this is what I would need to do before around this and this time. Mm -hmm. And then I have like a lot of the times when I, um, when I do something, um, that is related to hockey. Um, so as soon as basically I went to the rink or when I went for off ice um, warm ups or then on the ice, I did like a check-in mm -hmm. and that's like a check-in that I did um, in my mind where I really got my, my mindset on like, okay, this is what I'm doing now. Um, so then like I could pretty much turn from being a goofy teammate in the locker room to being like overly focused within like two seconds. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. That so Which is really important. Oh yeah. You can't, you can't have that focus or like being in that bubble for, for an extended period of time, or at least I would not be able to do it. So for me, it was like when I was in the bubble and had all all planned out, I was like 100% focused on what I was doing. Right. But then I made sure that I have this off time for my brain too and, and like my body just to, um, just to be an Olympic athlete and, you know, enjoy different things too. So do you still have versions of this now outside of the kind of competitive athletic space like do you you're like okay in order to focus on my task at hand i i'm sure it's not the extreme right but do you still use that those approaches now absolutely um mm -hmm. i i do use those approaches um um so i <laughs> i call it like entering different worlds okay and <laughs> i love and this so stuff so i'm glad you're sharing <laughs> <laughs> um so what it what it is to me is basically so you have your world for example your family's one world right. um and then your friends is another world then sports 
or for me, ice hockey was one world and then, um, university or work was one world. Mm. So for me, it was always very important to be like in, in the present and not bring in whatever happened like in one world into the other world, because that will be like negative, negatively affected. So if, for example, um, in hockey, if I would lose a game and be in a bad mood and then we'll go home to my family, then I will bring this bad mood into my family, but they can't do anything about the fact that we lost. Right. So, so there I, I use that check-in too and, and just realize, okay, um, I'm leaving hockey at the rink. And once I walk out of the locker room, like now, now hockey's done. And then I will go home and then I would at home, I would do my, my check-in to be at home and like really be in, in the present moment. And now with work, this is obviously, I, I do the same thing. So when I leave work, so that I actually am leaving work, I'm checking out of work and then I'm, I'm checking into whatever I'm up to next. I think that's really hard. I mean, especially now I'm sitting here working from home because I can't leave the house, but how do you, so, you know, you're going to be getting texts and you're, you're running a coaching search. Like, I think it's really hard to not have one world bleed into the other in, in kind of the day and age. It, it is super hard. And especially now during the times when, when you work from home, um, I did set myself up that I, I have like a working space. Mm-hmm. Um, where I'm like, okay, I would like, for example, I would never bring my laptop, um, to my bedroom right. or I would never sit on the couch with the television on with my laptop. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm sitting at the, at my desk, um, while I'm working and then, um, you know, at one point during the day, you are going to have to call it a day. And, uh, and obviously now with, with being in that new position, I still have to find my way and, and see um, what works for me and, and what doesn't. Um, but there, there is times where I'm like, I, I have to go offline um, right. to, to actually really like check out of work and then be like, okay, now, now I do have to take time for myself. Hey, let me just interrupt this conversation with Florence to share an opportunity and a great deal from our friends at the Black Tux. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or a tuxedo for their big day. Did you know the Black Tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? Turns out they aren't alone in this frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tux shops that shall be remained nameless. Go elsewhere. This place is pretty terrible, unless you're dressing like your grandpa for Halloween. We felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding days, so we left. What I love about the Black Tux is that you have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship you your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it one last time. Talk about commitment. 
Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. So if you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with the code FULL60. That's blacktux.com, code FULL60 for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. Um, okay, and then another thing I wanted to ask, you, you mentioned how goal-oriented you are and how you've had to kind of raise the stakes there. Are, what does it look like? Are you, I mean, are you uh, write goals down? They're in front of you at all times. What does it look like when you're, when you're doing kind of short-term, long-term goals planning? Yes, so I do write everything down. Okay. Um, I think uh, it's easier for me to um, follow everything that I've written down than if it's just in my mind because I feel like if I keep everything in my mind, um, things will be forgotten. And whereas if I write it down, I know it's somewhere. I might not find it right away, but <laughs> right. Um, right. <laughs> but I know it's written down and down and and I'll find it. Um, but additionally, um, to the book um, that I read, Mindset, I'm reading this book called Hyperfocus, mm-hmm. and it really really helped me. Um, a lot too, especially now with my with my current job, and and in that book it's it says that you have to set yourself three goals, three daily goals um, mm. that you want to achieve, and then also like three personal goals that you want to achieve every single day, and and this is pretty much how I break it down. Obviously, I'm I'm I have my big dream and and goal in my head and written down. Um, what I want to achieve in, in my new position. And then like I break it down um, to, to those daily goals that I want to achieve, knowing that these um, smaller goals in the end, um, they, will, they, will, they will hopefully and eventually get me um, to my big goal. That's great. Um, hyper-focus. I'm, I'm writing, I'm taking notes over here. Uh, all right. <laughs> So I want to get to the the ski accident because um, it's, I mean, it's an important part of your life. But what I found most compelling was, and maybe I don't want to get ahead of it, but at one point you wrote that that it was a blessing and you were so thankful for a a spine injury. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how you get there, but can you take us through the story? I think it was a vacation, right, after you were done playing? Yeah, yeah. So it, I, it really is like, I still look at it as a blessing, um, which is really, it sounds really weird. Um, when I, when I say this, but what happened was, uh, so I, I retired from playing hockey and mm-hmm. pretty much right after my retirement or simultaneously then, then when I announced my retirement, I finished my master's degree. And for me, that was like, okay, I'm closing this one chapter and I'm opening up an entirely new chapter. And that was the chapter of like working in, in corporate. Um, and, uh, and I finished, I I was living in Sweden at the time and I, I moved back to Switzerland. I started working in consulting and it was awful. It was awful. (laughs) I, 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 you know, I was 
studying uh, business my entire life, um, just finished my, my master's degree in business. And then I started in a job that I can finally apply all those things that I've learned. And, and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it, it got to the point where I was being pretty miserable because I didn't know um, what to do. And, and why I, I just didn't like it. Um, I was bored. I, I was expecting to like work morning till nights and, uh, somehow I didn't have that at all. And so it's just like the job didn't meet my expectations. And, um, so I quit. Um, and that was after six months Hmm. and I, I was like, okay, um, so what do I do now? And instead of jumping right into another job, I was like, okay, I, I want to take like 14 days of vacation um, where I will go on a skiing vacation because I haven't done that for, for a really, really long time because of hockey, right? Right. And so, and so I was very much looking forward to, to that vacation and, Day one of the vacation was fantastic. Beautiful weather. The snow was perfect. It was really nice. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'm taking, I'm really taking time just to do what I, what I enjoy. And then obviously think about what is it that I really want to do in the future. And, uh, and then with that mindset, I went skiing day two. And <laughs> that's when my accident happened. And, and so, you know, my accident happened and I, I fell mm-hmm. and I fell head first into the snow and I heard my, I heard it crack. Um, oh. So I, I knew, nope. I knew right away something, something really bad had happened and I had pain like I've never in my life had before. And so I was laying in the snow and my first reaction was like, all right, I'm still alive. So that was good. And then my second reaction was like, am I paralyzed? Mm. And so I was like laying there and because I, it felt like I was paralyzed because I had so much pain. And uh, so then I tried to like move my, my toes and fingers and, and I was able to do that. So I was like, all right, maybe it wasn't that bad, but then obviously like, I like I couldn't move because I was in so much pain. So um, when when the the doctors came, um, they they looked at my neck right away and they said, "Well, they're they're gonna have to um, bring a helicopter. Um, this isn't looking too good." And mm-hmm. they put like a neck brace on and and all of that. And and that's kind of how my journey started. And I went to the hospital, got a CT scan, um, was told that I fractured my vertebra and, uh, and, and then I, that I need to get surgery. And I'm like, okay, all right. Didn't, I, I think at this point I was in so much shock yeah. and pain and at the same time, a lot of painkillers, but <laughs> I don't think I really realized what it actually meant. Right. Um, so but then I had my surgery and, and after the surgery, they, they told me um, that it's going to take six months um, to recover. And, and I was like, all right. Yeah. Six months. 
um, to me, that was a lifetime. Right, right. But, but very quickly, I realized that it wasn't. And uh, so when, when I started realizing that it was a blessing, wasn't until, um, I think it was three, three weeks after my accident had happened, um, because I released myself from the hospital after one week. And I just wanted to be home, be around my family, and because I couldn't do more than just lay around. So I was like, well, I might as well do that at home. And uh, so once I I came home, um, my my brain was going nuts. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, my thoughts were going left, right, up, down. It was insane. Um, I had sleepless nights because I was thinking so much. Right. And all of the things that I was thinking were past oriented. So it was everything that happened to me in the past um, that I pretty much, I never took the time to, to um, really process all the things that I did in my life. Um, so I had uh, conversations that I had like 10 years ago pop up in my mind. Hmm. And I was like, Oh, maybe I should have said this instead of what I said. And, you know, also like, I, I relived like Sochi. I relived like world championships and, and all of that. I relived like my, my, my college years and, and all of that. And it was, it was hard. It was really hard. But then at one point I was like, I guess I was done with the past <laughs> and all my thoughts started being like future oriented. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in my life, I really just, had the time to think about like, what is it that I really want in my life? What is it that I need in my life? And what is it that I don't need anymore? Or like, what is it that I don't want to do anymore? And, and that's when I started realizing how, how much of a blessing this was, because I really think my, my, I was able to turn my life around. Not that it was like on a bad path, or anything, <laughs> right, right. but, but I was really like, to me, it was like I figured out what I want to do. And that that is so important. And I never realized, really realized it on like how important it is to like really know what you want to do in your life. How old were you when, when this happened? Um, that was last year. So yeah. 30. Yeah. Yeah. When you're sitting there thinking about, okay, what do I need to remove from my life or what, what don't, don't I need? What, what's going through your mind? Um, you know, it's, there's friendships, mm-hmm. um, friendships that were more toxic than, than anything. Um, there's uh, stuff that, you know, you sometimes feel obliged, like you have to go to certain events or stuff that you, you don't really um, – want to go to or you don't really value it all that much and it's just like it's taken up your time so I was like well this for example is something that I'd be like well surely it's great and all but maybe this is not something that I I want to do um, or that I want to invest my time with if I can take the time and do something that I really love Um, it's just stuff like that yeah and it, it sounds like, yeah, of course, that, that makes sense. Like, I would not have to have this accident to, like, have this kind of realization. But it, it really gets to you. Well, 
because I think part of it is we're all like so busy doing everything. You never take a moment to think like, is what I'm doing really the right thing or the best yeah. thing for me? Right. Like, exactly. Exactly. Um, so what advice, because I think we're all experiencing some form of this, not to this extreme, but with the extra time, with removal of a lot of the busyness, what advice would you give to people that are right now sitting there going, okay, I'm, I've been home for a month. I have had, I've had time to rethink the past and the future. What advice would you give them about, okay, how do I now shape what's important and then implement that? Um, well, what I did and I found like that really worked for me, um, is like, I, I started writing things down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I literally wrote like lists of the things that I want to cut out of my life mm-hmm. and then lists of things that I want to implement in my life. Um, I just like, um, did that. And I also starting, started writing a journal, um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't do it um, or sometimes I, I catch myself like falling into um, what I did before. But I like writing a journal has been become really important to me where where every day I I just sit down. If it's one minute, if it's two minutes, sometimes it takes half an hour and I I just write things down that I, I experienced during the day. Um, thoughts that I had, um, ideas that I had just so that it's all like written down. And I, I feel like um, having this written down is like some sort of commitment um, to myself. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, at the same time, it lets me sleep at night. Right. Um, so, so writing things down at the end of the day, is like, okay, everything that's like going around in my head is now written down on paper. And now I can go to bed and like not think anymore, but sleep. Right. Um, that's awesome. Well, Florence, thanks so much for doing this. What I, I like, what an incredible story. And you're just getting started, right? Like we have no, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. that's, that's awesome. So th- I know you got a ton going on right now, so I don't want to keep you any longer than I already have. So thank you so much for doing this Florence and best of luck. Thank you so much job. for having me. Thank All you. Right. Take care. I want to thank Florence for joining the podcast. That was awesome. I'm glad we finally made it happen. It had been a lot of back and forth for months and totally worth the wait. So thank you, Florence, so much for joining the podcast. Uh, Thank you to the assistants from SC Byrne and producer Tyler for coordinating that. And also, of course, Senator Brant Feldman for his help getting that done and for some of the background information. It was all, all, everyone was so helpful in making that happen. So thank you to everybody who had a hand in that conversation. Before we wrap up, a couple of housekeeping items here. Um, if you're not subscribing to the full 60 on wherever it is you listen to podcasts, make sure you hit the subscribe button so all of the latest episodes are put into your queue to listen to the full 60. We have, we've got some great guests. I've got, I'm recording one tonight at 8 p.m. because it's the only time he can do it. And hopefully, I don't want to say who it is because... Um, I want to, I don't want to jinx anything, but it's, it's going to be really good if we could pull it off. So make sure you are subscribing to the athletic, excuse me. I'm so used to saying that to the full 60. And while you're at it, make sure you're subscribing to the athletic. If you don't, if for some reason, if you're not subscribing to the athletic and you want 40% off, there is a, uh, special link for listeners to the full 60. If you go to the athletic.com slash full 60, 
you can get 40% off a subscription to The Athletic. So uh, if you aren't subscribing, definitely check that out. Um, And I also want to give a shout out to everybody that has left a review at Apple Podcasts, especially the most recent one because it got it, it bumped down the the horrible um, person that was really mad about the Dallas Aikens interview down a, a notch. And this was a five star review that I want to send a thank you to Shoeless Jack Johnson. I like the name. Said, "Hey, I used to be a hockey fan as a kid playing Pee Wee before I gave it up to play high school football in the mid '90s. This podcast has essentially been my reintroduction this year to the hockey scene after about 25 years. It has really been a pleasure." Thank you so much for what you do. Shoeless Jack, I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm glad you're back into the hockey world. um, And I'm glad you're using this podcast to catch up on 25 years. So thank you so much for that review. Thank you to everyone else who has rated the full 60 at Spotify or on Apple or wherever it is you listen to it. And while we are plugging some things, I do want to highlight my friends Pierre and Scott and their podcast, if you're a hockey fan and you're a podcast fan, make sure you're listening to the Two Man Advantage. Um, always great guests. Pierre and Scott are great at lining up guests and they're fun conversations. Um, and then the last thing, we rolled out uh, the Steve Dangle podcast, the, the full 60 interview with him. That was awesome. Um, one thing to, to settle, we debated whether or not my 13-year-old son should be on Instagram. And since that podcast, he is... So I blame Steve Dangle for any issues we get into with my son on Instagram. Um, So definitely check that out. And also, if you missed Tyler Sagan, was unbelievable last week. Make some time to listen to that. All right. All that plugging aside, thank you so much again to Florence. Thank you for listening and have a great week.